Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Over the past couple of days, the Canadian's training facility in Brassard has been jam-packed. A little bit of a surprise considering the team finished last last year in the National Hockey League. But there's a buzz. It's almost like the buzz when Sasana Cup, but this is different. The fans are out there to see the prospects. They're out there to see Slavkowski. They're out there to see Sean Farrell. They're out there to see Emil Heineman and many others. Who has impressed the most? Any chance of a former Montreal Canadian coming back? Is he surprised that he wasn't qualified? And has he ever seen so many coaches on the ice at the same time during development camp? These are all questions I'll ask. Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette and Hockey Inside Out on the sick podcast, I'm Marinero. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the sick podcast with Tony Marinero. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. That's right. I'm Marinero, and this is the Sick Podcast brought to you by 8.6 Beer Intense by Nature. The beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark and brought to you by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs had a 50-goal scorer, which was back in the early 90s, this time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. You're absolutely going to love it. I know I do. I'm there at least once or twice a week, as a matter of fact. All right, speaking of once or twice, well, I can tell you that uh, a couple of days into development camp, it was off-ice sessions on Sunday and on-ice Monday and Tuesday. We'll be on ice later today on Wednesday as well. Stu Cowan has been there since it started up, Habs Development Camp, and I bring him in to discuss it. Stu, what's going on? Hey, Tony, how are you? Hockey in uh, July. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You know what? I uh, jokingly and, and uh, you know, wore my Sassan La Coupe t-shirt today, knowing that Sassan Paul La Coupe, but the buzz around the training facility in Brassard almost seems like that buzz when they when you did smell the cup, but it's packed. And, uh, you know, this this drafting of Uri Slavkowski and the amount of prospects in the organization has really got the fan base excited. I mean, the facility's been jam-packed. I've never seen that many people in Brossard. I was talking today with some of the, the other reporters, uh, and nobody's seen it. It's crazy how many people are four deep around the, around the rink. And the Canes have been using both their sheets of ice. So the fans have been going back and forth from one side to another. Um, you know, team that finished 32nd in the NHL last season and last. But Slavkovsky's obviously created a lot of uh, buzz and a lot of interest around this team. And uh, it's a beautiful day today. And, man, a lot of people chose to be inside a hockey rink uh, to watch the young prospects on the ice. 
Stu, player development is, um, it's rather easy to say, but it's not that easy to do. There have been a lot of organizations that haven't been able to get it right. I think we can all agree that the Montreal Canadiens uh, could use uh, improvement in that area considering what they did in the last decade or so. But it seems like um, this staff is really taking it seriously because we haven't seen that many coaches on the ice with players at the same time. So there is, um, it's, it's um, you know, you're getting, instead of getting one coach for every 10 or one coach to every 12, you're getting a coach to every three. I mean, we've never seen this many coaches. No, and I was there on uh, Monday. I counted 13, well, we'll call them coaches. There was 13 people on the ice in coaches' tracksuits. Wow. Uh, and it was including uh, Vincent LeCalvoy was on the ice. Mary-Philippe Poulain was on the ice. There was a few less on, on Tuesday. But, you know, Adam Nicholas, the director of uh, hockey development, is the guy running it. And, man, the, you know, people were going there, including us, from previous development camps. You expect a scrimmage, right? The guys do a few drills and then play a scrimmage. There's been no scrimmages. So fans were hoping for a scrimmage might have been disappointed, but what they got, I think, was even better. The drills. The, I mean, if some of these kids didn't show up to this camp in tip-top shape, boy, are they regretting it now. Because on Tuesday, it was three-on-three, three, full ice for a good 15 minutes, rotating in, even rotating the goalies in. Then it was four-on-four four in one zone, in the offensive-slash-defensive zone, for another 15, 20 minutes, taking a little bit of a water break in between. They chewed up the ice on one surface so much, they switched to the other surface and kept going. So these kids, it's been nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. All you hear is the skates, pucks hitting sticks, and Adam Nicholas, who's got a booming voice, uh, yelling out instructions, and it's like, go, 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 go. So they're playing They're playing fast. I spoke with Vinny LaCavalier, who spoke with us afterwards, and he said it's, it's a new hockey game now. It's all about they're working their brains as much as anything else. They want guys to make quick decisions, quick decisions with open ice when they're three on three quick decisions with limited ice when they're four on phone four in the one zone. But for me, boy, it, w- it was fun to watch. Like these kids, yeah. you realize how fast yeah. these kids can fly and the Canes want to play a fast skilled game moving forward. And the focus at this development camp is on speed and skill and smarts hockey IQ. Before we get to who has impressed the most a couple of days in, You know, you and I were at the Montreal Science Center with others uh, last week on Wednesday. We had a chance to chat with and interview Uri Slavkowski and Shane Wright. I know you and I had a conversation after they both left us, and I I think we we enjoyed both players, did we not? Both very different, different personalities and different characters. So my question to you right now, because at the time, we weren't sure on Wednesday morning who the Montreal Canadiens were going to draft, but on Thursday night, they made it official that Yeri Slavkowski was their guy. Were you surprised? I was surprised. I was less surprised later on when they made the trade for Kirby Doc, because I still think like you know Shane Wright's a safe pick. Shane Wright, worst case scenario, I think he's going to be a solid second, third line center in the NHL for a long time. He plays a 200 foot game. He can skate. He's got speed. He's got hockey IQ. He has everything. There's a reason why he was an exceptional player status to get into the OHL at 15. There was a reason why he was a number one prospect for three years leading up to this draft. And then that changed after what Slavkowski did at the World Championships and the Olympics. But, you know, we talked, Tony, after interviewing them both. Yeah. Slavkowski, man, he was impressive. He impressed both of us. And I can I can see, as I wrote in a column that was in the Gazette on uh, Monday or Tuesday, I should say, um, the more I watch Slavkowski on the ice, the more I interview him, the more I see him interact with the media, the more I understand why Kent Hughes and, Jeff Gordon and the Canadians decided to make him the number one pick. There's just, there's a lot to like there. Yeah. Which there really is. I mean, the kid is huge. <clears throat> he's got confidence. He's got some swagger to him. Um, 
having said that, you know, Joel Army is also a big guy and a big body who looks like a great hockey player off the ice. But and don't say it, Stu. Don't, don't. <laughs> don't compare them. So I don't want to hear it. That's don't. my sort of worry. Is he going to be a – but, you know, Joel Army is a sort of quiet personality and he plays the game quietly, for lack of a better term. But Selkowski, there's nothing quiet about this kid. I mean, he's got a great sense yeah. of humor. I imagine people have already seen the video that Kane's put on Twitter of him doing the stationary bike and almost destroying the thing. Oh, my and, God. And getting off like it was nothing, that Wingate test, which is a killer. He got off like he had done nothing, and the bike was like – he almost destroyed it. And it's, he had a great quote after, I'm going to try and destroy everything here. But he, he's got he's got that confidence, but he's not arrogant. And there's a big difference. He's confident, but he's not arrogant. And he's – as I say, the more I, the more I see him – you know, I'm a pretty big guy, and I, he's he's a fully grown man at 18 years old, and he just seems really comfortable in the spotlight. Like I don't think it's going to get harder as he moves forward. I mean, we saw that with the Asperi Kotkaniemi, the love affair with him and first, and yeah. the difficulties he went forward. But the big difference between Kotkaniemi and Slavkowski is Kotkaniemi was still a boy growing into his body. Slavkowski physically is a man, yeah. mentally, he's a man too. And Kent Hughes said one of the things that really impressed him in their interview was. He found out that Slavkowski had left home at 15 to play for a U16 team in Slovakia. And he said, oh, so you lived in a dorm? And he went, uh, no. And he went, oh, so one of your parents went and lived with you? And he went, no. He said, you live by yourself at 15? He went, yeah. And he said, well, how did you cook? And he went, on a stove. <laughs> so it was like, it's like. That was pretty it's, funny. It's just, but so it's, it's his maturity, I mean, you know, you and I both have sons. Like, can you imagine yeah. your son leaving home and live by himself at 15? No, I and can't. He's a very mature mentally physically he has a real maturity about him and he's not afraid of the spotlight i mean i asked him about yeah. his english his english is very good he's quite funny he's got a sense of humor in english and yeah. he said he learned it at in school in Slovakia. but his parents also put him in extra english classes and he thanked them for doing that so he's been well prepared up until this stage uh, you look at him on the ice uh, at development camp he's a man against boys you see him out there i mean he's just huge. yeah and as I said, there's a lot to like about this kid right now. We we really got to get to know him last week on Wednesday because not all media outlets was were there. Uh, so we, you know, we had a, we spent a lot of time. There was one media outlet in particular that wasn't there because they weren't aware that it was going on. But well, you got a good picture of yourself with the two of them. You were the third line mate on that line, the Marinero right Slavkowski line. It was. And the thing is, well, at, after hold on the, a second. You like that one, eh? There, you and I were talking, right? I think Eric Engels was with us, yeah. and all of a sudden, I saw them two with Logan Cooley, and I think with uh, with Cutter Gauthier, if memory serves me. I think there were four of them that were talking, and all of a sudden, I'm just looking at them, and I'm thinking, you know what? If I take a picture with these two guys, I think it could go viral. So, you're right, Shane. I need you for a second. Come here. Come take a picture with me. No problem. Take the picture. Stu looks at the angles. This is a good picture for the Gazette. Guys, can I take one? Just Unfortunately, Stu asked me to leave the picture, though. Okay? Just <laughs> one well, on Monday after when they made Slavkowski, Slav, you got to keep practicing saying that name, Slavkovsky, available to us on the soccer field in Brossard after the thing. And as he was leaving, I said to him, you know, can I get a, just want to get a quick picture of you leave? Because I got one of Cole Caulfield after yeah. his first day of development camp a few years ago. So I said, can I get a picture of you? And he said, uh, what do you want me to do? You want me to smile or straight face? So I said, well, how about both? So I got one of them straight face and one of them smiling. I tweeted them both out. You can find them on Twitter. But he's just, like I said, he just he's really comfortable. And it's easy to forget this kid's 18. He's comfortable. Yeah. He didn't look nervous at all with the media. The big, he had a pretty big media scrum around him on the soccer field in Brossard. Very comfortable. Answered all the questions. 
Um, and as I said, he, he looks like a kid. Fans are going to fall in love with this guy. The more they get to know him, the more they're yeah. going to fall in love with him. He talked, you know, he, he walked around for three hours after the draft um, with Messara, the other kid that was drafted in the first round, and they were stopped a bunch of places. And he says, you know, posing for autograph. He's already being recognized everywhere he goes. Yeah. Even, yeah. even if he wasn't the number one draft pick by the Canadians, if you walked into a room, everybody would recognize her. Not recognize, everybody would notice this kid. When he was first drafted, my wife texted me. She said, "Oh my God, he looks like Superman. He's sort of a mix of Drago from the yeah. Rocky movies and Superman, and like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's a big, good-looking kid, right? He stands out in any room he walks into. But having said that, that's something the Canadians are going to have to manage moving forward because the kid seems comfortable in the spotlight, but I don't think he fully understands just how big that spotlight in Montreal is, both on and off the ice." Yeah, I think we already started printing T-shirts at the Sick Podcast of uh, what was it, uh, Beast uh, Mode, <laughs> Slavshovsky or something, or Slavshovsky. I don't know what it is, but he's been called Slav Golski as well, which is not too bad. But you can shop all your sports license, lifestyle apparel, including hoodies, caps, T-shirts of your favorite teams from all the major leagues, as well as some of our sick merchandise at SportBuffShop.com. Use code Sick15 for fifteen percent off on all of their items. All right. Speaking of which, let me wear my sick cap. I like this. Um, I had a chance to see some uh, video highlights of um, Slavkowski at Habs Development Camp, um, skating around, trying to uh, find some open ice. Does quick wrist shot, nice goal. I'm gonna have a chance to see him live. Uh, I'll be there later today. Uh, hopefully, there's gonna be a scrimmage at 11:30 on this Wednesday. But um, Who's been who's impressed you the most, Stu? Is it is it him? Is it someone else? Who is it exactly? Well, Slavkovsky stood out just because of his size. Yeah. And to be my honest last, he's looked and he even said the first day he didn't wasn't his best press. He's looked a little tired almost, which is understandable with everything he's gone through in the last week. And as I mentioned, this is the pace of these practices, they've been flying. So physically he's dominant. You see him winning puck battles, you see how he can protect the puck. But he has looked like he's a little bit tired, and it's totally understandable with everything he's gone through with the draft and the excitement yeah. coming over here. But the guy who's really, really caught my eye is Sean Farrell. Yeah. Man, he, you know, he drafted a couple of years ago, played at Harvard last year. We haven't really had a chance to see him because of COVID. Yeah. But man, is, is he a good little hockey player? He's, he's got, got skill, huh? Skill, he's got vision. Uh, him and Slavkovsky have had a little bit of chemistry. They're not, they don't really have lines. Like I said, they're playing three on three, four on four. So there's no three forwards together on a line. But when they have been paired together in drills, uh, Sean Farrell can find them. Like he's a big, like yeah. he's set him up a few times for some nice shots. He scored a really nice goal, Slavkovsky, on a pass from Farrell, was sort of a yeah. saucer pass. And afterwards, we're talking about all the coaches on the ice. He walked by and Vinny, or skated by and Vinny LeCavalier said something to Slavkovsky and Slavkovsky responded, which whatever he said made Vinny LeCavalier laugh. But he's he's really one of the guys that stood out. And the other guy that's really stood out is Lane Hudson, the little defenseman they drafted in the second yeah. round. He's yeah. small, but man, can he skate and can he move with the puck? And Philip Massar, he's, he's one of those guys that uh, the other first round pick from Slovakia. I think it was uh, when Marty LaPointe and those guys were speaking after the draft, they said he's sneaky, and he is. You watch him lift guys' sticks and take the puck, and he's in and out. He's not a big guy, but he's solid on his skates. You watch it. It's been quite physical, these drills, too. He's really solid on his skates, and I, and I see what they meant about him sort of being sneaky and the way he wins puck battles. He's elusive. He he's elusive. Yeah. He's elusive. He's, he's very elusive, and he's really – some guys – just look like hockey players. Like some guys, you, you know, you go on the ice and you look at a guy even before he's that guy's a hockey player. He's one of those guys. Yeah. He's just the way he, he moves on his skates, the way he, 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 he just looks like a hockey player. And, yeah. And he, 
He's got a lot of skill. And it, yeah, and I understand what you're saying. When I usually walk the streets, when I usually yeah. walk the streets of downtown Montreal, I can hear people saying that, you know, that looks like a Hollywood actor. You know, so <laughs> uh, how about Emil Heinemann? Uh, Heinemann's been okay. I mean, it's, there's so much drills going on. It's sort of hard yeah. to, like, I've sort of focused on a couple of guys here and there, but uh, he's looked okay. He hasn't jumped out at me, but that doesn't mean I might have just been looking in other ways when he's been doing stuff. Uh, but there's a lot of guys out there that have been, you know, but, but just like, just, oh, I remember, I guess it was four years ago at development camp, the guy who really caught my eye was Jordan Harris. He, he jumped out. Like, yeah. wow, this kid's really talented. And Sean yeah. Farrell has had, Sean Farrell's had, I've had the same reaction watching Sean Farrell at this, uh, at this development camp. If you had to put a dollar down on Betway for the love of the game, you could sign up and deposit on Betway for a 100% deposit bonus. The easiest sports book for Canadians. E-transfers are accepted just immediately, just like that. Um, would you put a dollar on Brett Kulak coming back to the Montreal Canadiens and somewhat replacing Alexander Romanov in the lineup, who, of course, was traded to the New York Islanders because there is talk of a possibility of Kulak coming back. Well, as of now, as we're talking here, Tony, there's not much salary cap space for Tank Hughes to play with unless he can deal Jeff Petrie. So I think the more I likely, think I think the more likely, yeah, I think the more likely at this point replacement uh, for Romanov is going to be Caden Gooley. Uh, come in, a young guy almost made the team last year. Um, if Petrie is moved, Kent Hughes had said earlier that he was going to look for another veteran defenseman to sort of replace him. But then after the draft, he sort of changed that a bit. He almost said he'd almost be comfortable going in with the young defenseman that they have. So it's going to be interesting moving forward to see what happens with that. Um, you know, Brett Kulak, I always thought Brett Kulak was underrated when he was with the Canadians under the previous regime with Bergevin and those guys. I still can't believe him and Romanov were made healthy scratches during the playoffs last yeah. year. Yeah. I can't remember their names. The other two defensemen that uh, Bergeron picked up at the trade deadline. John but, Merrill. Uh, yes. And Gustafsson. Gustafsson. Eric Gustafsson. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I've always liked Brett Kulak as a player. Big guy who can skate, can move the puck. I think yeah. when he was with the Canadians, a lot of times he was put in positions to fail, putting him on a top pairing or a second pairing, giving him too much ice time. When he's, if he, if Brett Kulak is on your third pairing at defense, or if he's your four, five, six, he can fill that spot well. I, I've liked Brett Kulak, but I just, yeah. With the way the salary cap structure works, I'd, I'd be surprised if he comes back. Marty St. Louis said last year that he wanted players who could play fast, skate fast, and think fast. I thought Rem Pitlick was one of those guys who could do at least two of the three, if not three of the three. I guess you may have just answered it when you talked about their cap space, that they don't have much room, but you got to be surprised, are you not, that um Yeah. Yeah, a little. I mean, he's, he's not a great defensive player, Pitlick, but he's, as you say, I mean, he's quick. He's got good hands. He, he sees the game well. But I think if it went to arbitration, they can't afford. They can't afford. I think they realize that we can't afford to keep this guy. He had and good numbers. The, he had good numbers. Every team in the NHL is the salary cap rules the NHL. And you have all these teams who give these guys big contracts, including the Canadians, a carry price of $10.5 million. You look at the lease with their top guys, how much they're paying them. When the GMs signed them to these contracts, the thinking was well, the salary cap's going to go up, right? So you're thinking you sign a guy for $10 million now. Four years from now, it might be a bargain. Not a bargain, but a good deal because the salary. But the salary cap isn't going anywhere. or very minimally going up. So that changed. Like a lot of GMs who are banking on the salary cap going up right now going, man, you know, I don't have room to move. And the Canadians are one of those teams right now. I think they're like looked on cap friendly. I think they got $1.1 in cap space right now. You can't really do anything with that, right? So it's, unless they can can move Petrie and, and create some cap space, 
they're in a difficult situation. Final thoughts on Romanov. You and I haven't discussed it yet, so we will now. He was traded. Um, I'd be willing to bet that you were shocked. I was. Not so much when I saw it was coming back because, again, like for me personally, if I had the number one pick, I would have taken Shane Wright because I think it's a safe pick. So when they picked Slavkovsky, I was like, whoa, they're taking a risk here. You know, Shane Wright, this might come back to burn them. And it still might come back to burn them. And it might come back to burn the other two teams that passed on them. Yeah. Also, New Jersey and Arizona. Uh, I think what happened to Shane Wright might be the best thing that ever happened to this kid because he's going to have a big chip on his shoulder right now. This is a kid who's been an exceptional status player since he was 15, figured he was going to be number one, everything was easy, everything was perfect for him, and then boom, he wasn't. And we saw that sort of stare down at the Habs table. Yeah. And I think he's got something to prove now. But for Romanov, I think they've seen – Kent Hughes and Marty St. Louis have seen what the, the ceiling is for him. And you're yeah. talking about Marty St. Louis wanting to play fast, wanting to play quick. That's not necessarily – Roman have strong points. And also, he's a restricted free agent. So his salary is going to go up. And I mentioned yeah. Goulet before. Goulet can come in and, I think, fill that role and maybe even be an upgrade. I think he will be an upgrade on Romanov uh, at a lesser price. And everything revolves around the salary cap right now. So, yeah. the, you know, I wrote a column after the draft saying, Kent Hughes has a plan. And he knows what his plan is. And he's confident in his plan. He's going to move forward. As he said, it was a difficult decision to move Romanov, but you got to give up something to get something. Yeah. And Slavkovsky impressed them so much in that meeting. I understand why they wanted him, but they also wanted a center. They also, you know, Ken Hughes said they want to get bigger and faster down the middle. Um, you know, Shane Wright isn't a huge kid. He's a quick kid, but they're, they're, they're figuring that Dak's going to be bigger, faster, fit that role better. Uh, number three overall pick uh, three years ago. So he had a plan. So, and Romanov was part of that plan. And as he said, you got to give up something to get something. And that's what they give up. But they have a lot of depth on defense. You got all the young, yeah. a lot of young guys coming up. And I see, I think Caden Gooley can step right into that spot that Romanov had. Uh, back to Romanov in a second, but you brought up Kirby Doc. You know who I would give that assignment to? Vinny LeCavalier. Well, that would be his project. It, I would bingo. tell Vinny, Vinny. Uh, six foot four center here, 21 years old, three years in the National Hockey League, 150 plus games under his belt. Uh, this guy obviously is not playing to the potential that a lot of people saw in him when he went third overall in 2019. The second centerman drafted in the draft after Jack Hughes went number one, winger Capocacco went number two. I would give Kirby Doc to Vinny LeCavalier and say, Vinny, this is your project. That's yeah. what I would do. Well, Vinny LeCavalier and Marty St. Louis also, but Vinny is the. Yeah. Talk about a young big center. And for Kirby Doc, I mean, third overall pick. He was supposed to be captain of the World Junior Team in 2021, I guess it was. Uh, um, fractured his wrist uh, in a, one of the pre-tournament games. Missed the tournament. Uh, played yeah. minimal games that year. Had a shoulder injury last year. He was on the COVID list last year. So he's had he's had a rough time. Like Bad luck, stuff yeah. Out of, stuff out of his control with injuries and whatnot. But you know, obviously he's a talented hockey player. Third overall pick, would have been captain yeah. of the World Junior Team. The Blackhawks had loaned him uh, uh, to Hockey Canada for that tournament. Um, for whatever reason, in Chicago, things didn't work out that much. But Ken Hughes had an interesting comment at the draft after making the trade. said, we talked with a lot of people in Chicago, not just hockey people, like people around the city. You know, what happened with Kirby Doc? Why didn't it work out there? He does his homework. Ken Hughes, does his, Ken Hughes doesn't do anything without doing his homework and having a plan in place for it. And part of that plan, as you mentioned, he's got Vinny LaCalvia coming in to work with this guy too. So yeah. um, you know, the, the the change in the Canadians when it comes to how they're moving forward with development. I mean, we're talking earlier about 13 yeah. coaches on the ice. 
Vinny LaCalvier, uh, Mary, you know, Mary Philip Poulain. Yeah. All, all these people that are around that are just smart hockey minds and different opinions and different people to talk yeah. to. And, <coughs> excuse me. Maybe Kirby Doc relates better with uh, Vinny LaCalvier. So just different voices to hear from. Yeah. And, and for those who are going to say, well, if Kirby Doc was any good, Chicago wasn't going to trade him. Because it's funny yeah. because I hear this when a player gets traded. Here's a couple. Here's a couple of things you need to know. One, um, sometimes when teams trade players, they end up making a mistake. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, Chicago's trading everybody. <laughs> the brain cat, they're getting, they're they're getting it. I, you know, getting. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if this this is all part of the tanking plan. Yeah, Connor Bedard next well, of year. Of course or, it is. Or, or I, I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's okay. I love the dog barking, eh? By the way, but listen, here's the deal. How did Chicago win their three cups? Well, major reasons were Kane at one and Taves at three. So they did their thing. They won their Stanley Cups, and now they're going to try and tank again because they're going to try and rebuild the team the same way they did when they drafted Kane and Taves. I want to get back to Romanov for a second because it's funny here. In this case, when it's the Canadians trading a player, no one will say, well, if he was good, they wouldn't trade. Now everyone's saying, oh, they made a mistake. Here's the deal. And maybe they did make a mistake. And I know a lot of people are a little nervous about it because the Canadians once upon a time traded McDonough and once upon a time they traded Sergeyev and stuff like that. Look, I like Alexander Romanov. I mean, everyone in Montreal likes Alexander Romanov. He's a nice kid. He has an infectious smile. He plays with a lot of energy. And he hits like a truck. But I think you said it, and here's the deal. If you're not going to play defensive hockey like Scott Stevens, you're not going to end up being a top-pairing defensive defenseman that will make you regret being traded. If you're not going to pick up 20-plus goals and pick up 55-plus points, you're not going to be good enough offensively to be a guy that you will end up regret trading. So, he, you know, his offensive... Um, capabilities are limited defensively he's good but he's not great at the end of the day I could be wrong but I think he ends up being who he is which is a second pairing defenseman at best a number three and if Kirby Doc ends up becoming anywhere between a 1a center to a 1b center or a number two center it's probably harder to find six foot four right-handed centermen who are 21 than finding a defenseman who probably at best will end up being a number three. So I understand the logic and I think it's worth the risk. Yeah. I mean, then you got to remember though, the last time the Canadians traded a Russian defenseman for a former number three overall drop pick, it didn't work out too well. <laughs> so it's a warning sign right there. But again, the depth that the Canadians have on defense with Justin Barron and Jordan Harris and Caden Gooley and all these young guys, uh, Logan Mayu, yeah. spoke to the media on Tuesday. All these young defensemen coming up, they're loaded with young prospects on defense. And centermen, Arbor Jackai. centermen are so hard to find. And Mark Bridgman used to always say, oh, you can't trade for centermen. Kent Hughes can. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's, no, he, he came in and you got to have a plan and you got to be willing to give something up. And he had yeah. a plan. And I, I still think if that if he hadn't been able to work out the trade, to get Doc, I think they would have drafted, and I'm not just speculating, I, I think they would have drafted uh, Shane Wright, but he had an idea where, you know, there had been talk going into the draft that maybe Hughes will find a way to trade to get the number two pick from New Jersey so he can get Shane Wright and get Slavkovsky. And if that had worked, maybe that's be the scenario they'd have, but they couldn't. 
So he goes, okay, let's go to plan B. They had had their eye on Kirby Doc for a while. Blackhawks wanted draft picks. They didn't want players. And so it was it was like a three-way yeah. trade. They traded, you know, Roman off to the Islanders to get the, I think it was the number 13 pick. And yeah. they took the number 13 pick and traded that uh, to Chicago to get Doc. So that's like, that's being a smart GM. That's, that's planning, having a plan and having more than one way to execute it if you want it. They got, so they, they ended up, they got the big winger that we said, you know, the guy who, Subkoski reminds me, I think I said this to you after we interviewed him, it's like, if you're into horse racing, the Kentucky Derby with three-year-old horses, he's like that two-year-old thoroughbred that you look at and go, oh, my man, this guy can yeah. win the Kentucky Derby. And and, and Slavkowski is just, he's a physical specimen. He's just this big, huge kid. Let's say confidence and swagger and everything. I think Hughes just figured, I really want, like, I, I, I don't want to pass on this kid. Yeah. But I need to get a center too, you know, and, and, so he's banking on Kirby Doc being well, able to do at least as much, if not more, than what Shane Wright can do. And and also, you know, Ken Hughes talking about his plan. Part of his plan is getting all these guys in the similar age group, 21, 22, 23, 24. So they a lot together. His, a lot of his trades, rather than getting a first or second round pick, he's getting a guy who was a first or second round pick a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, he did that with Justin Barron in, uh, in the trade with Colorado. Yeah. So he's going to have this whole group of kids around the same age coming up and developing together. And... That's a plan, right? So I usually lose when I bet on a horse to come in first, but this time I bet on Uri Slavkowski, the thoroughbred, to be drafted first overall by the Montreal Canadiens, and I'm happy to say it was a very successful bet. Thank you very much. Not to mention, I also had a few dollars on Shane Wright going number four, so it was a very productive week in the Marinara household. Thank you very much. Well, productive week for Seattle Kraken, too. I mean... Yeah, Shane, I think the it's the top first prospect lands in their lap at number four. I'm sure they're very happy. I think it's the, the first two bets that I actually made money on in the last year. But anyway, uh, <laughs> better late than never. Look, I don't know this for a fact, but I will resp- I will. I have a different opinion uh, than you do on one thing. I think that even if they don't make the Kirby doc trade, I think they draft your Slavkowski with the first pick. But I don't know that for a fact. And maybe no. one day we'll find out and maybe one day. We won't. I don't know. All I know for now is if you like the sick podcast, send us a message, comment sick, S-I-C-K, so we can feel the love. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram at the sick podcast, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. I love this cap, but I find it makes me look older. Look at that. Look at the hair. Look at the girl. Quit quit showing off. Quit showing off. (laughs) Stu, thanks for doing this, Manny. Stu Cowan of HockeyInsideOut.com, the Montreal Gazette. I'll see you later today at the training facility in Broussard. And hopefully today, those scrimmage. I'll see you then. Look forward to it, Tony. There you have it. Another edition of the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you. <laughs>